The Favorites Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. I bet with FanDuel because they're safe and secure. They offer great odds and markets across the NBA, NHL, and more. And because it's fun to combine multiple bets into same game parlays. So if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. You must be 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Louisiana. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. Smart Madness, we folks. We just did a part one podcast looking at every game on Thursday with Action Network college basketball expert, BJ Cunningham. I'm joined, as I always am, by my BFF, my companion, my compadre, Simon Hunter. BJ, we got to get to part two. Simon, why don't you get to ask about the first game? Really? You're going to let me go first? I want you to go first. All right. It's, it's a Chicago team, so I assumed you'd be, you'd be in on it, but... I got opinions. <laughs> you do? This team feels like every year they're in it. Loyola, 10 seed, only 0. 0.5 uh, dog right now to Ohio State, the 7 seed. That's, that's an interesting line right there. What do you think of it, BJ? Yeah, it is interesting because Ohio State has some injury concerns. Uh, Zed Key and Kyle Young, two of their best big men, are questionable playing on Friday. It sounds like Zed Key's likely to play, but Kyle Young is still up in the air, which would be, you know, if both of them are able to play, it's a huge boost to the Buckeyes. But like every year, this Loyola Chicago team is incredibly difficult to beat. They finished the season seventh in effective field goal percentage. They spaced the floor well. They're top 20 in shot selection, 13th in rim and three-point rate. It's just, it's a really, really difficult team to stop. With that being said, they're going to have to hit a ton of their ton, ton of threes to win this game because they're not that efficient at the rim. Ohio State is outstanding at preventing people to get to the rim. The pace of this game is going to be incredibly slow and played in the half court. Both Loyola Chicago and Ohio State, bottom 70% and adjusted tempo top 100 in frequency of possessions in the half court. I mean, listen, Ohio State, they're a very talented team. They have one of the best players in college basketball and EJ Lydell, but they're very, very reliant on him scoring, especially from the post. So they basically get down there, they throw it into him, they get doubled, they throw it out. And it's just, it's a long possession over and over. And that's really what Loyola Chicago does great defensively at prevent at forcing teams to play those long type of possessions. So I actually love the under 132 and a half points with that type of slow pay, pace, with both teams being pretty good defensively and taking away some of the advantages the other offenses have. I, I like the under here as far as a team to win this one. I mean, I'll put, I'll take Loyola Chicago to move on. I don't like it much because if those are two Ohio state big men are playing, that's going to be troublesome for Loyola down low. But I do think the Ramblers end up uh, advancing here. More than anything, obviously I'm going to have an opinion because it's Chicago. <laughs> I am thrilled that Loyola has established a team that has a very specific personality and a program that can last beyond 
Parker Moser, who obviously left this past year, they, they built a reputation. Like they built a Gonzaga of the Midwest. And I think that's and fantastic. And they're moving to the American Conference next year. They're moving yeah. on. I love that. I love that for that team. I love it for the area. I love it for the campus. Love everything about it. Go Ramblers. All right, Simon, we got Jacksonville State visiting a very inconsistent up and down Auburn team that to me is one of the teams that is most reflective of the personality of its coach in that it is frenetic. It is emotional. It is inconsistent. It can be great. It can be maddening. All of those things also pertain to Bruce Pearl, 15 and a half point favorites against Jacksonville State. You know, this is going to be the polar opposite of uh, the last game we just talked about. If you want to see a three-point shooting contest, uh, this is the game for you because Jacksonville State, they're going to be completely outmatched in the front court. Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler have huge size advantages over them. But for them, to Jacksonville State, to actually have a chance in this game, they're going to have to hit a boatload of three-pointers. And that hasn't been a problem for them this season because they are 11th in the country in three-point field goal percentage, and they take them at a uh, top 60 rate. I mean, Jacksonville State's two guards, the two Jalens, Jalen Gibbs and Jalen Finch, are both shooting over 40% from behind the arc. Auburn defensively is very hard to score at the rim with those two big guys, but they do tend to struggle defending three-pointers. So Jacksonville State is absolutely going to be able to stay in this game. The pace is going to be, like you said, frenetic, fast, if it's played at Auburn's liking. They're top 10 in the country in terms of efficiency in transition. Well, that's also good for Jacksonville State, who's also top 10 in terms of efficiency in transition. So if this turns into a track meet, three-point shooting contest, I mean, it's there's going to be just scoring galore. But the worry I have for Jacksonville State is their two biggest guys are 6'10 and 6'7. That is not good going against Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, who are 6'11 and 6'7'2". And so given the fact that Jacksonville State shoots a ton of three-pointers, they're efficient, in transition, and the pace of this game is if it's played fast, and it should be because it, you know Auburn is the favorite. I love over 136 and a half points here. I think this is going to go way, way over the total given the style that this game is going to be played at. I like that you're giving us totals and not just focusing on the sides because yeah. now we got an opportunity for every market. <laughs> uh, we got the 14th seed, Montana State, playing against what you said is one of the best defenses in the country, Texas Tech. 15 and a half points. That's a lot of points for a team that is you know, defensively strong, but are they offensively strong to cover that number? Or is this one of those that the bookmakers are saying this team won't be able to keep up with such a great defense? This is one ultimately we'll be passing on. I think Texas Tech, you know, cruises here, but there is one little bugaboo, troublesome thing for Texas Tech. The, the Montana State, they get to the free throw line at the uh, fifth highest rate in the country. And while Texas Tech does everything well defensively, that's one area they tend to struggle with. They're 232nd in free throw rate allowed. So if Montana State is able to get them in foul trouble and gets the free throw line, they could stay in this. Uh, they're, you know, the Bobcats are very efficient in both transition and in the half court. But like I said, this is the number one team in terms of adjusted defensive efficiency, number one team in college basketball in half court defense. Montana State, the two biggest non-conference teams they played were Colorado and South Dakota State. And they were pretty efficient, efficient offensively in both those games. But this is a really, really bad matchup for them. And then really just a massive step up in competition from what they've been seeing in the big sky conference, you know, Montana state's not that great of a defensive team, especially in transition. Uh, Texas tech is third uh, in terms of efficiency in transition, but they don't, they play a pretty slow pace and they don't get out in transition that much. So it's, it's kind of a weird matchup. I, I do think the line is absolutely correct. And along with the total uh, maybe look at an over if this game is, if Montana state pushes this to an above average tempo, which they usually play at. Um, 
but uh, yeah, ultimately this is another one of those matchups that uh, is giving me a little bit of a head scratcher. So I will ultimately be passing. Texas Tech, Loyola, Purdue, three college basketball programs that are sustaining success after like the long time or that brought them to that level of success got them there. I love that. I love that for these programs. Legacies, legacy boom. That's what we're doing with the Action Network. Long after I'm gone, Matt Mitchell, BJ, Simon. Yes, I'm putting myself in the same category as Gene Katie. <laughs> you guys will be just taking the Action Network to the NCAA tournament every year, losing in the second round. And it's going to be fantastic. The Yale Bulldogs, winners of the Ivy League, being Princeton, they get the benefit of getting into the tournament to be 16-point underdogs to the Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah, this is um, going to be a very, very interesting game. And I think one that's going to be played in a pretty high tempo with a lot of scoring. So Purdue ended the season third in terms of adjusted offensive efficiency. And as you saw in the Big Ten tournament, they have two incredible big men. And Zach Eady, who's 7'4", and Travion Williams, who is about as physical and skilled of a big man that you're going to find in college basketball. They're top 12 in two-point and three-point field goal percentage. They're unbelievably good in transition, where I think most of this game is going to be played. Yale does play at a pretty fast pace. They're 86th in adjusted tempo. Their average possession length on defense is ninth lowest in the country, which means teams are either getting shots up in transition or they're scoring very quickly in the half court, which definitely uh, favors Purdue in this one. The biggest problem Yale is not a good defensive rebounding team or defending at the rim, which is a big, big problem facing Purdue. So uh, I think Purdue scores at will. I mean, uh, Isaiah Kelly is their starting center for Yale. He is uh, six foot seven trying to defend a seven four Zach Eady. So Purdue, big time advantages. On the flip side, Purdue, not that great of a defensive team. 11th, 100th in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency per Ken Palm. They're 316th in points per possession allowed in transition defense, 302nd in defending mid range jumpers, which Yale is 25th most efficient at on offense. So the total is set at 143. Given the fact that Yale plays at a fast pace, Purdue is incredibly good in transition offensively, but really bad defensively. I think we're going to go way over that total. So I love over 143 points. All right. We got the 15 seed Delaware, which is a school I did get into Chad, but they wouldn't give me any money. So I, I was not allowed to go there. 15 seed Delaware versus Nova, the two seed 15 and a half, a lot of points. Yeah, it is a tad high. Uh, and I think that if it gets a little higher, I might end up playing Delaware, who finished the season as the number one team in the CAA uh, in terms of off just offensive efficiency. Uh, but I don't think that will translate too well against Villanova. They uh, played a team in very similar in terms of the style of Villanova, which is very slow pace, very efficient defense, and uh, shoots a ton of threes. They played Davidson. In the first game of the season, they got their doors blown off. 93 to 71. Davidson hit 14 threes against them. Uh, that was the first game of the season, I understand. But uh, that's also the last time they saw a team even close to the caliber uh, they're going to face against Villanova. Delaware, not a good defense against three-pointers. It's 257th in the country and three-point field goal percentage allowed against a Villanova team that shoots the 23rd highest rate in terms of three-pointers in the country. So, very, very bad matchup here for Delaware. Uh, but Delaware is good at defending in transition. Um, but for those, like I said, Villanova does play at a very, very slow pace with almost all of it coming in the half court. So it's a really tough matchup here for Delaware. But with that being said, the number is getting steamed. It is getting a tad too high. If Villanova shoots up to minus 16 and a half, 
minus 17. I might have to end up playing Delaware, but other than that, I will be staying away. Miami sneaks into the tournament as a, what looks like a 10 seed. They're playing the USC Trojans, which has become a very consistent program. They're one and a half point favorites. USC is. I think USC covers and advances. So they have a pretty massive size advantage against Miami. Trojans are fourth in average height. Miami is 212th, but Miami is the most efficient team in scoring and transition uh, in all of college basketball. Well, USC is in the bottom half in defending and transition. However, I still like this matchup from USC. The Trojans are the number two team in the country in field goal percentage allowed at the rim, where a lot of Miami shots are coming from because they have one of the lower three-point rates in the ACC. So if Miami isn't shooting a high number of three-pointers and isn't able to score effectively at the rim, that means they're going to be forced into a ton of mid-range jumpers, which USC is pretty good at defending. On the flip side, USC, with their size, does a ton of post-ups with Isaiah Mobley, which is a big Big advantage against Miami, who's outside the top 200 in post-up defense and field goal percentage allowed at the rim. So also USC 26th in offensive rebounding, Miami 266th, that keeping teams off the offensive glass. So outside of the kind of a bad matchup for USC in transition, uh, given their size advantage, and I think they'll be able to dominate Miami down low. So I love the Trojans to cover minus one and a half in advance to the second round. Yeah, BJ, thanks again, man. I have Virginia Tech, which is the next game we're going to talk about. That was such a great call. I'm a Duke fan, so for me, it's it hurt to lose and Coach K lose like that, but I don't know. Oh, I, I hate Duke, so I savored every <laughs> single moment of it. I mean, you know what? I was thinking about hedging it, uh, but at this last second, I was kind of just like, you know what? Let's just – it's 10 to 1. Let's just let it ride. Yeah, yeah. I let it ride. I got 9 to 1. So, I like, again, yeah. it was 9K. So, I was like, you know what? That sucked for Coach K, but I just made 9K to watch a basketball game. So Exactly. Yeah, I mean, listen, Virginia Tech is an incredibly underrated team like you saw in the ACC tournament. Yeah. Back to the same thing I spoke about with Iowa. These teams that aren't used to winning the conference tournaments aren't used to going deep. I really worry about the hangover, playing four games in four days and having that type of – you know, the, the, that high of winning the tournament and then coming in and having to play a very, very good Texas team uh, that grades out very well analytically. But there are just so many times with Texas and the TCU game is a perfect example in the Big 12 tournament where they just go through these scoring droughts that completely take them out of the game. I mean, Texas, they're the second best team in college basketball in points per possession allowed in half court defense. So, you know, Virginia plays at a snail's pace with most of their possessions coming in the half court. So that's not really that great of a matchup for them. But as we spoke about in the last podcast, Virginia Tech, really, really efficient three-point shooting team, over 39% from behind the arc this season. Uh, but it, it's really hard because I really do like Virginia Tech in this matchup. I really do. I think they're one of the more underrated teams in college basketball. And Texas has given me so many bad vibes all season long. But then you look at it, look at it analytically and you're like, okay, this is not the best matchup for Virginia Tech. So – I will ultimately be passing given how good Texas defense has been all season long. This could be a good live betting situation if, if Virginia Tech gets down from that hangover from the ACC tournament, as we saw so many times with Texas just blowing these type of huge leads. So you could get a better number on Virginia Tech live, but unless the Hokies get to plus two and a half or, or plus three, I'm going to ultimately be passing and just waiting to bet this live. What about just advancing? I will be picking Virginia Tech to advance in my bracket do think they are a better team than Texas, but I will say it does not give me a good feeling. Gives you a yucky feeling. Yes. Gives me a hangover feeling, That's Chad. It. The next matchup is Chattanooga at Illinois. Listen, Illinois, we talked about this. I feel they've been inconsistent. They proved it during the Big Ten tourney. I feel like the past two years, even when they were number one seed last year, a little bit overhyped. 
great in the middle with Kofi, obviously, but Chattanooga is live to me. I just got to say. Yes, they, they definitely are live, uh, and this number is a tad inflated. I mean, Chattanooga has two incredible players. Malachi Smith and Kansas transfer Silvio D'Souza are two were two of the best big uh, two best two players in the whole SoCon this year. And D'Souza can definitely match up with Kofi down low. The mocks, you know, if you remember, they won on that desperation three hundred beat Furman to to go to the tournament. You know, just one of those uh, first baskets that like, hey, we're finally here at March. Defensively, they're not that great. I'll be honest. Uh, they pretty much every category you look at down the line, they tend to struggle in it. And to beat Illinois, you know, obviously they've been inconsistent, but you have to defend in the post well against Kofi. You have to defend the pick and roll well, which they run a ton of with Kofi. And you have to defend the three-point line really well because they can throw four shooters out there on the, on the three-point line and just, you know, run away with it a certain type of game. Now, the reason they've been kind of inconsistent is they weren't hitting the three-pointers at the high of the at high of a rate in the Big Ten Conference that they were uh, in, in the non-conference. But on the flip side, you know, for Chattanooga offensively, they're going to have to push the pace to compete in this game. They don't spend a ton of time in transition, but they are very – very efficient there. 25th in the nation points per possession, Illinois defensively 307th in defending in transition Chattanooga also very good offensive rebounding team. It hardly turns the ball over. It's a really, really good team. It worries me how bad they are defensively and that Illinois could just score at will on them, but they definitely do have the talent and the offense to hang with Illinois. And I do think Illinois is a tad overvalued on the spread here. Though I think the line should be around five. Um, so I do like Chattanooga at plus seven and a half. 15 seed Cal State Fullerton is playing Duke, a two seed. Coach K's last run in March Madness, plus 19. That's that's a lot. Duke will get by this one, but Duke can't stop anything right yeah. now. They can't turn anybody over. They can't stop anybody in transition, and they're horrible at defending three-pointers. Uh, Cal State Fullerton, pretty split in terms of their percentage of possessions in both half court and transition, but they don't take a high number of three-pointers. So I think Duke might be a little bit off the hook here. In the first round, you know, Cal State Fullerton, they do not have the size to compete with Duke. They're pretty poor at defending threes. So I think this line's pretty much spot on along with the over-under. So I will ultimately be passing. But I, what I will say is if Davidson gets by Michigan State, I will be fading Duke so hard in the second round. Duke, last four games, allowed over 1.1 points per possession in North Carolina. Syracuse without Buddy Bayheim, Miami, and Virginia Tech. They are ripe for a big-time upset playing, especially a Davidson team filled with guys who wanted to go to Duke, but Coach K wouldn't recruit. So it, I'll just say if, <laughs> I love Davidson if they can get, get by to face Duke. Uh, Davidson, also one of the teams that we wrote about on Action Network that's getting a lot of wise guy love right now. Iowa State uh, and Louisiana State. Louisiana State, the team that best represents the history of corruption and um, malfeasance in sort of the best representation of that from a state known for it, long live Huey Long, right? Will Wade has been fired. Man, that guy had nine lives, but they're still four-point favorites against Iowa State. <laughs> yeah, I guess that shows you just how bad the sanctions were to have to fire a coach uh, the day before the selection Sunday. 22 uh, wins. Out. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, the Tigers are absolutely in flux. This is a game I will ultimately be passing on. Maybe, potentially, I think you could play a live under – these are two teams, both top 10 in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency, both top five in turnover percentage, while both offenses are outside the top 300 in terms of turning the ball over. So if I'm playing anything here, I mean, the total is set at 127.5. That's fairly priced and, and honestly pretty low. Um, but, you know, both these teams, 
if they come out shooting lights out, I think that that's obviously going to regress towards the main because both are hitting under 33% from behind the arc. And these are also two of the 20 best three point field goal defenses in the country. So we'll be trying to look to play a live under. Don't know if we'll be able to, it might come out and these teams might just turn the ball over back and forth for the first 10 minutes, but that is where I'd be looking, but definitely just completely staying away from this uh, altogether. Cause Iowa state, I mean, they are so, so bad in the half court. Really, they, they've regressed so much from – they obviously had a high at the beginning of the season. They were outperforming, and then they regressed all the way back down to earth, which was so, so sweet to see as an Iowa fan. Start your bracket with a bang. Right now, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers a $150 instant bonus guaranteed. That's right. You'll get $150 in bonus site credit, and all you have to do is place your first bet of $5 or more. How you bet the bracket is up to you. You can choose from the money line, totals, prop bets, and so much more. This tournament, I'm loving San Diego State, Arizona, and I love Colorado State. Plus, with cash out the balls in your court, so you can close out bet every you want before the game is over. Join FanDuel today with promo code FAVORITES. Then you can place your $5 bet to score $150 in bonus site credit. Guaranteed. That's promo code FAVORITES on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It must be 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as now with double site credit that expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Next, so we got 12 seed UAB, the Blazers. Saw dude playing the five seed Houston. Eight and a half is the spread. Eight and a half. Yeah, uh, UAB's got a guy, a uh, point guard. If you watched him in the, the conference USA tournament, Jelly Walker, uh, absolutely electric uh, point yeah. guard. And can, you know, how hung 40 in a triple overtime game against Middle Tennessee. But, and listen, I know everybody's going to love Jelly Walker, and this is going to be a very, very trendy underdog because they're fun. I mean, who doesn't want to bet on a fun team? Who wants, doesn't want a fun team to advance? But this is a really, really bad matchup for them. Houston, despite losing some key in, uh, pieces injury-wise early on in the season, they finished top five in the Ken Palm rankings, and they're a, fifth, they're, they're a five seed. And they're top 11, both adjusted defensive and offensive efficiency. 11th in defensively, they're 11th in uh, three-point field goal percentage allowed, eighth and two-point field goal percentage allowed, top 20 in both half-court and transition defense. They turn opponents over at a high rate, and they're a very good defensive rebounding team. So I understand everybody loves Jelly Walker. I understand he's fun, but this is a really, really bad matchup for UAB. Uh, even though they took a ton of threes in this Conference USA tournament, they're actually one of the lower three-point rate teams in the entire country, uh, only 293rd to be exact. But they are hitting over 38% in the season. Jelly Walker over 40%. Um, UAB is actually one of the highest mid-range jumper frequency teams 
in all of college basketball, which is uh, bad news against Houston, who is seventh at defending mid-range jumpers. So the market has correctly priced this, I believe, Houston being a minus eight and a half point favorite. You know, if Jelly Walker gets hot and they go up early, you might be able to get Houston at a better number, but I will ultimately be passing. You know, you mentioned adjusted uh, efficiency for offense and defense. Ryan Collinsworth has this incredible piece that he's done the past three seasons. Uh, well, the past four, but three final fours because we missed one. About uh, it's, it's based on a formula that includes offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, and margin of victory. And it has been incredibly accurate at predicting who would advance, right? And so based on this formula, the teams that he pinpoints have made it to the Sweet 16 every single year. Uh, all 16 teams advanced to the round of 32. 14 teams have made it of the teams that sort of fit this bill that he has predicted have made it to the Sweet 16 in the past three final uh, tournaments that he's written about. 10 have made it to the Elite Eight and five. So that's five out of 12 have made it to the Final Four. You mentioned Houston, adjusted offensive efficiency. They're one of the 10 teams that qualifies along with Gonzaga, Arizona, Kentucky, Baylor, Duke, Auburn, UCLA, Kansas, and Nova. So all teams that we've been talking about in both podcasts that we like to advance, you've got uh, Kentucky and Zona uh, in your final four, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, we're aligning the stars here a little bit. All right. We talked about Davidson. Uh, What a great matchup that would be if they get to play Duke. They're against Michigan State. We've now entered the games I will not be awake for. Uh, Michigan State, I always think Tom Izzo and Michigan State is overrated and inflated in the tournament. They're one and a half point favorites against Davidson. And you would be correct in this type of matchup. They are one of the more overrated teams in all of college basketball. So uh, like I mentioned earlier, there's a uh, site called Shot Quality that measures basically expected results. For certain teams, they, you know, keep track of what teams' records should be based on the quality of shots they take, essentially expected points. So Michigan State finished the season, finished the season with a 6-10 record over their last 16 games. But if you look at their shot quality record in games, essentially they should have won. They only should have won one of them. They should have gone one in 15 to end the season. So uh, for a team that is 299th in uh, offensive efficiency uh, in terms of their shot, shot selection, 334th in rim and three-point rate, which are the two most valuable shots in half-court offense. Uh, That has caused the Spartans to rank outside the top 200 in points per possession in both the half-court and transition. So even though Davidson isn't that great of a defensive team, Michigan State's not going to be able to exploit their weaknesses. Uh, Davidson also top 10 defensive rebounding team. So there's going to be very few second-chance points for the Spartans. If you haven't seen Davidson play, one one of the best shooting teams in all of college basketball. They can just shoot anybody right out of the gym. I mean, they finished the season shooting over 38% from behind the arc, you know, top six in both catch and shoot and off dribble three pointers. They can really just do it all from behind the arc. The thing about Davidson, I, I mentioned earlier, they played a very, very slow tempo. One of the highest frequency teams coming in the half court. They're third in points per possession and half court offense while Michigan state is outside the top 100 in defending in the half court. So that slow pace will be big. Uh, in this matchup, Michigan State would, uh, plays primarily a lot of their possessions in, in transition. So I just absolutely love Davidson. It's probably my favorite play in all of Friday. But there is one good storyline here. Davidson's starting point guard, uh, Foster Lawyer, played at Michigan State for three years. He was a captain there, but he mainly was on the bench. Transferred to Davidson this season, was having a complete breakout year as their starting point guard, and now has a big-time revenge spot. 
to get his old team back. And also Michigan state has some injury concerns. Their point guard Tyson Walker is questionable for this one. So I really don't think the Wildcats should be underdogs at all here. So I love uh, Davidson money line plus two, whatever you want to do, throw in a round Robin. Uh, that's my best bet for the in- entire Friday. You like Ooh. Davidson to make, Oh, sorry, Chad. You like Davidson to make oh. a run this year. Yeah, though I, I, uh, they are, I believe around eight or, or around seven to one, six plus six eighty on FanDuel to make the Sweet Sixteen. Wow. If they get by Michigan State, they are not going to be plus six eighty against Duke. I can tell you that much. So uh, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful price for the Wildcats to to get to the Sweet Sixteen. Next up, we got the fourteen seed Colgate Dental School versus three seed Wisconsin plus seven. Yeah, I, this is uh, Wisconsin. Essentially, it's a home game for them because it's going to be in Milwaukee. Uh, but this Colgate team is going to give them a ton of problems. Similar to Providence, Wisconsin, Wisconsin drastically overperformed and was pretty lucky this season. They were 15 and three in games decided by six points or less. Now, you know, that is actually one of the best records in all of college basketball history. So the narrative around this is like, well, they have the clutch, clutch gene, and you know, uh, they can you know, win these type of close games. Well. Statistically, and as you know, Simon and Chad, that these type of things tend to regress towards the mean. And you saw it in their last two games when they lost close games to Nebraska and Michigan State. Matchup-wise, Colgate is the third most efficient three-point shooting team in the entire country. They're top 12 in points of possession, both half-court and transition. Uh, that transition number is key because Wisconsin, uh, if this turns into a track meet, Wisconsin is terrible in transition. Now, Wisconsin offensively, they have the Big Ten Player of the Year, Johnny Davis, who makes up a ton of makes up for a ton of their real inefficiencies on offense. However, he's coming off a brutal ankle injury, and he definitely wasn't 100 percent in the Big Ten tournament against Michigan State. Went three of 19 from the field, only scored 11 points. If he isn't 100 percent, the Badgers are in big, big time trouble. Also, the way to beat Colgate. So you got to get out in transition. They are one of the 10 worst teams in college basketball in transition defense. But Wisconsin, they play a really slow pace. They're the, they have the 12th highest frequency of their possessions coming in the half court. So they're not used to getting up in transition and beating Colgate at, or doing what they need to do to beat Colgate. So I love Colgate uh, in this matchup. Another fun team to throw in a, a money line round. Robin, I uh, love them plus seven and a half. Love them on the money line. This is a really – Really bad matchup for Wisconsin in the first round, even though it is kind of a home game in Milwaukee. All right. Now we're ending it with like a couple of <laughs> juicy, spicy money lines. I like that. Last game, TCU, Seton Hall, Seton Hall, short favorite here. Yeah. Another game that's similar to the last game on Thursday that might put you to bed uh, earlier than expected. So uh, if you're going to beat TCU, you've got to keep them off the offensive glass. They are second in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. And while Seton Hall isn't a great defensive rebounding team, they definitely have the size advantage down low. And they have some other advantages that I believe will be able to outweigh that advantage that TCU has on the boards. First off, Seton Hall is third in the country in field goal percentage allowed at the rim, which is basically all TCU uh, does. They try to get all their shot attempts closer to the rim because they have the eighth highest rim frequency rate in the nation, but they're 320th in terms of their field goal percentage there. So that's a pretty big advantage for Seton Hall, even if they do give up those too many offensive rebounds if TCU can't put those back uh, at the rim. Secondly, Seton Hall, seventh in the country in half court and points per possession allowed in half court defense. TCU plays an incredibly slow pace with a lot of their possessions coming in the half court. So Seton Hall, even though they're not a great defensive rebounding team, I think this is a really good matchup for them against TCU, who 
yes, they'll get a lot of offensive rebounds, but they're not really efficient at putting those uh, back up. So uh, I love Seton Hall on the money line, uh, minus 110. I think they should be uh, closer to two, two or, or three-point favorites. All right. We went through every Thursday game in part one. We went through every Thursday game in part two. Reminder, your final four, Texas Tech out of the West, Kentucky out of the East, Arizona out of the South, and uh, Iowa out of the Midwest. And you like Arizona to beat Kentucky in the national championship game. First title for Arizona since 1997 is what it would be. BJ Cunningham, you did a Herculean job of lifting us through March Madness. We appreciate it. Everyone should go read your stuff, read all of our college basketball coverage, Action Network app, actionnetwork.com. For Simon Hunter, my BFF, my companion, for Matt Mitchell, our producer, I am Chad Millman. This has been the Favorites Podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. Download it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars, say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift. We will see you and talk to you and engage with you next week. Till then, love you. Love you.